0: And then there's also the classic walk and talk and talk,
1: <laughs> the walk and talking of Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> we got two characters walking down a hallway and they're just talking at each talkin other. Talking quick, they're talking smart. Shh.
0: Hello, my name is Susie Yusuf,
1: and my name is Alexi Toliopoulos.
0: And this is the Big Film Buffet.
1: Where we serve up a three-course feast of movies inspired by today's film, The Trial of the Chicago 7.
0: So please take your seats as the honorable Alexi Toliopoulos resides over a set menu of legal dramas, starting with a classic film well within our jurisdiction.
1: Then we'll take a brief recess before we cross-examine the film du jour, our Netflix premiere flick of the week.
0: And we'll finish up with a sweet suggestion of films that complement the main course. And like Justice and Ice Cream, they are best served
1: cold. Mmm, Justice Cream. Susie, you lit up when we decided that we're going to talk about courtroom dramas on the podcast this week.
0: I did. Because, you know, there's some kids who watch, like, Olympics documentaries and they want to become Olympians. Mm, or yes, like- that was me. <laughs> <laughs> or they'd watch musicals, they want to sing and dance. I was the kid that would watch a legal courtroom drama with my dad and then be like, I'm going to be a lawyer one day.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: I love this.
1: I think that's so funny. I'm almost the opposite because my mum... Desperately wanted me to go into law. As all parents do. As all parents do. And my mom herself is like a very highly respected uh, human rights lawyer. Is she? Yes, yeah, she was very, very, very prominent in her field throughout my whole life. And I was like, yeah, no, maybe not so much, <laughs> yeah, mum. me.
0: I'm going to talk about
1: Austin Powers my whole life. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. Well, we we're both fighting for what we believed in. <laughs> she believed that humans should all be treated equally. And I believe that his career should not have ended with the love guru.
0: Well, before we go down this Austin Powers wormhole that is inevitable in your presence, I think we should roll the trailer of the week.
1: I object. Overruled. We want to underscore again that we're coming to Chicago peacefully, but whether we're given permits or not, we're coming. We're going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War. And there's no place to be right now but in it.
0: We watched for a decade while these rebels without a job tell us how to prosecute a war. They're going to spend
1: their 30s in a federal facility, real time. People say, you know, Abby, are you concerned about an overreaction from the cops? Oh! Holy shit. You all right?
0: No words until I saw that.
1: Are the people ready to make opening arguments? At the defense table, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Dave Dellinger, Rennie Davis, Lee Weiner, John Freunds, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seale. These defendants had a plan, and the plan was to incite a riot. I call this portion of the trial with friends like these. (laughs) My trial's
0: begun without my lawyer. The court assumes you are being represented by the Black Panther
1: sitting behind you. The riots were started by the Chicago Police Department. Sustained. Nobody objected. Jurors 6 and 11, they're with us. Juror number 6 and juror number 11, you're dismissed from this jury. Can you tell us why? Because this is my courtroom. We've dealt with jury tampering, wiretapping, a defendant that was literally gagged. Get your hands off me. First, to suggest that I have discriminated against a black man. Then let the record show that I'm the second.
0: Here's an original take that no one has ever said before, but that trailer made me want to watch that movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, thank you to the marketing people out there that made the soaring swell of emotions in Susie make her press play on that button. (laughs) What did you think? I was astounded by the wig work. Yes. Let the record show I was also astonished by the accent work.
0: It's pretty easy to look beyond the wigs and the accents in this film because the story is incredible. And Mm -hmm. it's obviously a legal drama that has a very rich history in cinema.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that because it's so interesting that something so specific has grown out over the entire history of cinema to become a really rich and exciting genre. A genre that's all about social justice, political change, injustice, guilt, and underdog that must use everything they can in the battle to defeat the morally wrong.
0: And this is a very performative world. This is a world of heavy dialogue, big monologues, and convincing arguments.
1: Yes, they're like performances that are trying to capture us as we were the jury themselves. Exactly. And I think as well it's like one of those genres that you can immediately identify visually. In a courtroom drama, you know you're going to see a judge with freaking robes on. You've got stained wood pews. I'm talking mahogany or oak. A gavel, <laughs> tall ceilings, lawyers in suits, a little lady with a big updo hammering away on a tiny typewriter, her glasses ever so slowly slipping down her nose. I'm talking stenographers. These are all like the visual archetypes that are so prevalent in this genre.
0: That is the perfect picture of a courtroom drama, which leads us to the starter of the week, which is.
1: A few good men. You want answers? I want the truth!
0: You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I think that's probably my best Jack Nicholson
1: Yeah, that was not bad. I
0: really felt it in my body.
1: I felt it standing here. I felt the (laughs) saliva hitting me and I felt like I was in danger.
0: But that quote has been done so many times before. Like This is probably the most quoted moment in cinema history, I would have to say. It's across pop culture. It's everywhere.
1: Everyone knows this movie, but Susie, what is it about?
0: So it's the story of a US military lawyer, Daniel Caffey, who's played by Tom Cruise, who's defending two US Marines who are charged with murdering a fellow Marine at Guantanamo Bay. But as the film progresses, we learn that the fault is probably a bit higher up in the ranks.
1: Someone has ordered a code red. You know it. I would say that this is exciting for one reason in particular, in that it's Aaron Sorkin's first feature film as a screenwriter. And it's based on his Broadway play, And let me tell you this. He sold the film rights for this movie for an exorbitant amount of money. How much money? I'm talking in the six figures, deep within those six figures.
0: Oh, but that's like a classic Hollywood story. You know, that's how it works for everyone, doesn't it? You just Mm. write a film for the first time and then you get a million bucks.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I've spent the entire lockdown writing Borat versus Austin Powers. (laughs) 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 Trying to make that cool $100 million.
0: (laughs) I love Aaron Sulkin, but Rob Reiner is the man who has my heart. This film is the cap on an all-star, all-time legendary run of films for him. It was This Is Spinal Tap, then Stand By Me, then Princess Bride, then Harry Met Sally, then Misery, and then A Few Good
1: Men. It is an unmatched run.
0: It's insane.
1: And he's jumping around all these different genres. But the thing that interests me most about these is that all of these films are very writer-driven, script-heavy movies, where he's working with iconic writers like Stephen King, Christopher Guest, one of my heroes, Nora Ephron, and William Goldman to create movies that really honour and cherish the written word, dialogue, the script.
0: So he's not only working with some of the greatest writers in cinema history, but the casts of all of these films Mm. are incredible. Like these are movie star casts.
1: Yeah, and this I would say is one of the great movie star movies with that three person lead of Thomas Cruz, Mapper the Fourth, <laughs> Demi Moore, and Mr. Jack Nicholson.
0: <laughs> and those performances are obviously brilliant, but there's also performances that I couldn't go past, which is Kevin Bacon, Kevin Pollock, and Kiefer Sutherland.
1: Oh my lord, the original Kardashians. <laughs> On that K-name bent, Tom Cruise is called Kathy in this movie. That's his surname. Yeah. K A F F E E. Yeah. I really thought on this rewatch that his name was Kathy because <laughs> they kept on calling him Kathy. Like, you thought his name was Catherine? Yeah, but they shortened it to be faster. Which is so intimidating in a court of law. <laughs> but I think Tom Cruise is honestly one of my favorite movie stars of all time because he's so intense. He brings that same intense quality that an actor, um, that a method actor would bring to creating like an individual character to creating a huge movie star performance. Performance that's moving and emotive in all of those ways. And I don't want to get too Freudian, but Tom Cruise's character is living in the shadow of his father, who was a much admired figure in this field. And maybe that's why Rob Reiner, the son of comedy legend Carl Reiner, was attracted to bringing this script to life.
0: Yes. <laughs> It is also the first time that we see Tom Cruise as the young gun lawyer. He goes from this to the firm and they're within a year of each other so I think that it kind of shaped our opinion of him as Mm. this awesome lawyer dude. He is a baby
1: in this film. He's so young and he's got that slight little monobrow that I just love. tiny
0: fuzz, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to grow one myself (laughs) these days but I plucked it too many times as a teenager.
0: (laughs) And he's alongside Jack Nicholson who is I think a really funny Actor, like, mm. I think he's a great comedy actor, but this is not
1: comedy. This is the only establishment authority figure character of Jack Nicholson's career, apart from Mars Attacks, where he plays a president, but I don't think that counts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he made his bones playing like anarchic, anti authority grinsters, I would say. Yes, I think this is what makes his performance as Jessup just feel so fiercely monstrous and dangerous. Uh, he's both a great actor and a phenomenal movie star, he's able to channel charisma in so many different ways and really nail a character that serves theme and a plot in a very, shall I say, Brechtian way. Oh, you said it. Where it's about being part of the bigger tapestry of the film and not just an individual character.
0: And he also carries a tan like I've never seen a man carry a tan before.
1: Yeah, he is a deep, dark mahogany. He almost blends into the courtroom setting of this movie. Yes,
0: is he a man or a pew? We can't be sure. <laughs> Look, is the plot predictable? Maybe. But do we forgive that because the performances and the script and the direction are all slick as shit? Yes, you do. Every time. I've seen this film like 12 times. I know I will watch it again.
1: Susie, my verdict on A Few Good Men is that this is found to be not guilty pleasure. It is just a movie that can be enjoyed.
0: (laughs) You are guilty of something, (laughs) Alex. But this brings us to our premiere flick of the week, which is The Trial of the Chicago 7. An unpopular war, a massive protest, a violent clash. They hit the streets to fight for justice. In court, they'll make history.
1: The Trial of the Chicago 7 stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Sasha Baron Cohen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Frank Langella, Eddie Redmayne, Mark Rylance and Jeremy Strong. And it's all directed and written by Aaron Sorkin.
0: I was very excited to watch this film with my dad. Really? Yes, because as it started, there's a whole bunch of historical footage of the Vietnam War Mm. and the draft, and it was really emotional, actually, because he said that watching it brought up so many memories of how terrifying it was to be a young man at that time, Mm. and he was actually drafted. So when Australia got involved in the war, his number came up, and it was only because he is allergic to penicillin and didn't pass the medical that he didn't go to war, and he had a young family. At the time and both mum and dad were saying to me that this is this, the sort of film that takes you straight back to that moment it's a thing that people want to forget but as soon as it's brought up you're back there
1: so this is a second feature as a director for Aaron Sorkin after he made Molly's Game in 2017. Which I loved. But his career as a writer is long and storied, beginning with A Few Good Men in 1992 that we just talked about and other highlights like The Social Network, Moneyball, and TV shows like The West Wing and a show that I was freaking obsessed with, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which was basically the behind the scenes of Saturday Night Live. It was the most important place and thing happening in the entire world.
0: And even though I'm 20 years late over lockdown I finally caught up and I have fallen in love with the West Wing which is full of Sorkinisms that I didn't even quite realise had penetrated all of cinema.
1: Yeah we can't talk about this movie or Aaron Sorkin in general without giving a shout out to those iconic Aaron Sorkinisms those trademarks that are so entwined with his writing. Yeah, We've got those grandstanding monologues of just beautiful expository and emotional sentences. Yeah
0: like those Bartlett speeches in the West Wing Mm -hmm. even like the Jack Nicholson speech in A Few Good Men.
1: Oh, absolutely. And so many speeches throughout this film.
0: And then there's also the classic walk and sorkin and talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the walk and talkin' of Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> We've got two characters walking down a hallway and they're just talking at each talking other.
0: And quick, they're talking smart.
1: We've got those sarcastic witticisms peppered throughout the script.
0: There's all these complex legal and political themes that sit right alongside a bunch of interpersonal drama. And the thing that I really love about Chicago Seven is that there are some killer witty lines. Like mm. the humor is not compromised at all in this film.
1: Are we using this trial to defend ourselves against very serious charges that could land us in prison for 10 years? Or are we using it to say a pointless fuck you to the establishment? Fuck you. That is what I was afraid. Of. I don't know if you were saying fuck your answer. I, was, I was also confused. It's really a well balanced movie.
0: Yeah, the balance is beautiful. It's not all heavy by any stretch mm. of the imagination, but when it goes heavy, it goes real heavy.
1: Some of the great modern filmmakers like David Fincher, Rob Reiner, Danny Boyle and the late, great Mike Nichols have all worked with Aaron Sorkin as directors bringing his words to the screen. And now that Aaron Sorkin is becoming a writer-director and not just a writer, I find it really interesting to kind of unpack that and look at how he adapts his own work. I think it's interesting because already his films have often been very script and screenplay driven, but there's a more theatrical quality to his work now that he's making himself, less cinematic, but in a way that is all in honouring the script and honouring that dialogue.
0: And the dialogue is still killer.
1: And I think it's all because he's really good at eliciting great ensemble performances from his actors to just magically say his words how they were meant to be said. You're standing right next to him. Why don't you just represent him? Because I'm not his lawyer, sir. If I understand, Mr Seal, this last month and a half, and I believe I have... He is not represented by counsel. Overruled. I am being denied right Mr. now Steele, my constitutional will you be quiet? right for will the legal you representation. Will you be quiet? You have lawyers to speak for you. No, he doesn't. Let's
0: talk about this cast.
1: Yeah, because this is such a tremendous and exciting ensemble of some of the greatest actors that are working today, channeling these real-life people, these biographical characters. Yep. It's all headlined by Yaya Abdul-Mateen as Bobby Seal, a prominent member of the Black Panthers and the eighth member of the Chicago 7. And he is beautiful. He has that necessary gravitas, that intensity to create this character that is absent through a lot of the movie, but you need to feel that energy still.
0: And he works alongside all these brilliant performances. There's Eddie Redmayne, who plays Tom Hayden, the student activist, who brings this really gravelly performance to the film that I haven't seen from him before.
1: I also adored Mark Rylance, who plays William Kunstler, the lead attorney. Oh, he's so good. And honestly, I can finally forgive him for beating Sylvester Stallone at the Oscars. I mean, Sly was playing Rocky, dying from cancer, when this guy just comes along. No, you
0: can't go down this wormhole. <laughs> Sorry,
1: this is a <laughs> this, grandstanding this ups- moment for me. I
0: upset you too much. I don't want you to relive it. <laughs>
1: I mean, Sly was okay. I, no, no, okay. Alexi,
0: I won't let you go there. But when you talk about performances in this film, you cannot go past the shining light of the film for both of us. I think, mm. which is the performance by Sasha Baron Cohen. This is the performance of a lifetime, in my opinion. And he plays Abby Hoffman, who is this peace-loving, will stop at nothing, revolutionary who is actually really funny and Mm. has a lot of gravity at the same time.
1: Yeah, that's so well put. I really do think that this is probably his greatest performance, and I'm saying this with utter sincerity and maybe a tear in my eye, since Borat.
0: Do you say that with respect?
1: I say that with absolute respect. I pay huge respect and big ups to Mr. Alistair Graham himself. Sasha Baron Cohen.
0: There's a bit of backward and forward in this film between the characters of Abby Hoffman and Judge Julius Hoffman, who's played by Frank Langella. They lock horns so many times in this film, and it's just such sweet, sweet conflict.
1: I think that's when I really got zoned in on what this movie was doing when we had that clear villain and this clear hero in Sasha Baron Cohen and Frank Langella as Judge Julius. And the record
0: should reflect that Defendant Hoffman and I are not related.
1: Father, no. This is a really interesting and difficult performance from Sacha Baron Cohen because unarguably, he's one of the funniest people in the world. And he's playing a character that is funny in the world of the film and not just funny for us, as an audience. It's a very rare and difficult thing to do. There are only a few other examples that came to mind immediately, and they're like Albert Brooks in Taxi Driver Broadcast News.
0: Yeah, and I think Kevin Pollock does something kind of similar
1: in A Few Good Men. Absolutely. That's such a great example of it, where it's just this delicate balance of creating humour for people in the world of film, but staying completely grounded and allowing us to also enjoy the antics of his character. Totally.
0: I also have to do a shout-out to Jeremy Strong, who plays the character of Jerry Rubin, and to The Humble Egg. I've got to do a Shout out to The Humble Egg because it features in the film mm-hmm. in quite a funny moment where the character of Jerry Rubin is entering the courtroom next to Abby Hoffman and someone makes an attempt at egging and he catches the egg and then has to deal with holding this egg in the courtroom. I don't know why, but that really tickled me.
1: Oh, it's like Sunker's lucky egg in Cool Runnings.
0: It is. And, of course, this egg moment. Jerry, do you know why the French only eat one egg for breakfast? No. Because in France, one egg is enough. It's enough. I'm not exaggerating when I say I think this is one of the biggest films of the year.
1: Yeah, I think this film has really broad appeal. It's that exact type of based on a true story film that provides insight on the past and makes you reflect on the present that makes for such exciting viewing.
0: So let's talk Oscars then. Is it going to happen for our boy?
1: Oh, I really think this movie has Oscar buzz flying out of its wazoo.
0: Should we say this? Should we actually put it on record?
1: Let's do it. Okay. I do declare...
0: I also declare alongside you Mm -hmm. that we think...
1: (laughs) That we do believe, humbly, we are going to bat... If it will please the court. Yes, on the record, let the record show that we are declaring that Sasha Baron Cohen...
0: Could be nominated.
1: I'm going to say will be nominated. Yikes. Will be nominated for Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor, depending on what category (laughs) they go for, at the Academy Awards.
0: Hey friends, why don't you follow The Big Film Buffet on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure that you get new episodes as soon as they drop every single Tuesday. And comment, rate, review, tell your friends, call your mum, she called you last week, call it back. (laughs) Send us all the love that you can muster because we want to hear it from you. Well, producer Michael is in the room, which means one of two things. Mm -hmm. Either you and I are fired or it's time for everyone's favourite segment,
1: film or movie. And I am proud to say it is the second of those two options. (laughs) Film or movie is the game where we cleanse our palates by being given a title by Mr. Michael here that we will either declare is a film or a movie. A film being? Something artistic, something stirring of emotions deep within your soul and within your brain and within your very being. As opposed to a movie, which is? Very enjoyable, a nice experience of something that you can just share with your friends and your buddies.
0: So, Producer Michael, what is the motion picture title for today?
1: Today is the legal drama to end all legal dramas. It is Legally Blonde. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, easy. Easy peasy, I would say.
0: Yeah. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this one's case closed. Yes, this is it's, easy. Yeah, right? exactly. This is a candy-coloured flick. Yeah, it's a movie. You could not be more wrong. I think this film gives us an insight into the sorority sisters and the fraternity boys that we have never seen before. It might look like we've seen it before. Maybe it is, like, adjacent things that we have seen before. <laughs> but really, this is a film that is steeped in the lore in its truest sense.
1: Whoa. I would say this is a movie set at Harvard, which is in Boston, <laughs> the hometown of Ben. Ben Affleck movie, baby.
0: I would say that the character of Elle Woods is waging the battle of her life. Mm. And also to win the guy.
1: <laughs> but
0: it's not up to us, it's up to producer Michael. It is, it is. Film you Film know. or movie.
1: It is a film. Ooh. And not only is it a film, but it's a seminal piece of queer cinema. Mm. Gay or European lives in my mind rent free. <laughs> <laughs> We promised there'd be justice cream earlier in this podcast and we've been found guilty. It's time for us to eat our just desserts. And dessert this week, we are recommending the movie Roman J. Israel Esquire. I'm tired of doing the impossible for the ungrateful. And now I now have uh, more practical
0: concerns. Denzel Washington stars as Roman J. Israel, who's this tortured legal savant who spends his career in the shadows of his law partner. After a lifetime of working behind the scenes, striving for social justice, he is thrust into the spotlight and grapples with the challenges of a world that he no longer fits in.
1: I think this is an interesting one for us to pair with this today.
0: This is a strange dessert, don't get me wrong. This is a really compelling film, but it is also, how do I say,
1: Weird. Yes, it's a deeply weird movie, but it has an incredible performance by Denzel Washington. It
0: is a devastating performance. This tore my heart out.
1: And he was also nominated for Best Actor at the Academy Awards for a movie like this which is so antithetical to what we know Denzel as. We know him as like this gorgeous charismatic movie star who turns in these movie star leading man performances. This is something much smaller, much more vulnerable and it really is about someone who has kind of dedicated their life to striving for social justice and it's left him to be quite a broken, lonely man.
0: really kind of a turn off the main road of legal dramas. It's more like a story of internal judgment, and mm. like seeking personal justice. I know what they were trying to do with Denzel's character in mm. this by kind of giving him this slump and this kind of drag foot walk and this awkward body type.
1: A gap, gap still tooth. super hot. He's one of my favourite movie stars ever, one of the great actors of all time. And I think in years to come this will be known as like this kind of cult classic touchstone.
0: Yeah. It's like a creeper.
1: Mmm, it's a creeper, it's a sleeper. Do not sleep on this. If you want something a little left or centre when it comes to legal dramas, I think this is one to check out. And it's also written and directed by Dan Gilroy, who was the filmmaker behind Nightcrawler. I think that he's also trying to do something very similar here in the way that he took down television news in that film. I think he's trying to talk about the legal system a very similar way here.
0: There's clearly a strong collaboration here between Dan Gilroy and Denzel Washington, and when it comes to character studies, you don't get much better than this. So you've probably got a bit of a taste for that legal drama now mm. and I think one of the sweetest flavours that you can ever devour is one of my favourite films of all time. I know it's a been called but I'm going to say it. It's My Cousin Vinny.
1: I adore this movie so much. It's so funny and it's also a very accurate representation of the law system apparently. It
0: is. Joe Pesci, Marisa Tomei, we bow down to you.
1: Oh, and yes, Marisa Tomei did deserve that Oscar for that performance. I think she's sensational in that film. You cannot talk about the legal thriller or the courtroom drama without mentioning one of the iconic fathers of this genre, Mr. Sidney Lumet, who directed 12 Angry Men. It was his first film as a director. That's amazing. He also went back to that genre many times for the masterpiece The Verdict, the underrated and underseen nightfalls on Manhattan, and right up to his penultimate film, which is Find Me Guilty, a film featuring a lead performance from Vin Diesel wearing a toupee. (laughs) It's one of the early movies you can see Vin Diesel with hair in. And for that reason alone, you should watch it. It's a must-watch for that reason.
0: You obviously can't go past the John Grishams, which I love, the books and the films, The Firm, The Rainmaker or A Time to Kill. And if you're looking for something with a female lead, do we even need to say it?
1: Of course we do. It's Aaron Brockovich. They're called boobs, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favourite line from the movie.
0: <laughs> so let's recap. Today we started with A Few Good Men, then we moved on to our main course and film de jour, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and for dessert, we recommend a little Roman J. Israel Esquire.
1: Your Honour, it is my privilege to say we are adjourned for today.
0: Which is lucky because if we did one more pun, I think this case would be thrown out of the court. <laughs>
1: If you want to hear more movie talk from me, you can head over to Total Reboot, the podcast where I talk about reboots, remakes and ripoffs with my dearest friend Cameron James.
0: And if you want to hear more from me, then there are a few episodes we've already released of this podcast that you may want to hear.
1: (laughs) And what are we talking about next week, Susie?
0: Next week we are doing our first ever animated film on the podcast and it is Over the Moon.
1: And I am over the moon to be talking about a fantasy, (laughs) adventure, a musical. And it's all animated, baby. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alexi Toliopoulos, and my dear friend, Susie Youssef. Produced by Michael Sun and Anu Hasbold. Edited by Jeffrey O'Connor. And executive produced by Tony Broderick and Melanie Martin.